Let's pray real quick, and then we'll get started. Father, we love you. We're gathered in Jesus' name. So, Lord, please protect us as we separate ourselves unto you, to your word, your spirit, to your mission, your, your body in this morning. And just, Lord, uh, we believe. Help our unbelief. God, I just pray that you would lead, guide, and direct. We love you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, right? You guys, you guys are. Okay, so I started a Bible study at the, at the hospital where I work. We're just getting started. We had our second meeting, and it's hit or miss because it's actually while I'm working, and sometimes I can't get there. But we actually met for the second time. There were three ladies, bless their heart, who showed up for the, the Bible study. So I asked them all, are you a person of faith? And they all said, yes. And I asked them all, I said, do you believe in God? And they all said, yes. Been going to church for 20 years. Baptized 20 years ago. I, I just believe what the Bible says. This is what they said. I said, okay, what's it mean that you say you're a person of faith? What's that mean to you? Not one of them could answer. I said, okay, okay, well, let me ask you a different question. You say you believe in God. Explain that to me. What do you mean you believe in God? Not one of them could answer. I said, okay, okay, one more question, and then, we'll, and then we'll start with our Bible study. I said, what is the New Testament? Not one of them could answer. Been going to church for 20 years, claim to be Christians, to be people of faith. They believe in God, but, but, but and, and I believe them. Okay, but to not be able to answer those questions, what do you mean you believe in God? What do you mean? What would you say? You believe in Jesus Christ? Okay. Okay, so God's given us his word. We put our faith in that, especially the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. For our sins, and now the New Testament is we have a right relationship with God through Christ, not like it was in the old time, the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, the old ways, which was through works according to the law. Okay, you guys, we all agree with that, right? There is so much Bible illiteracy out there. People don't know what they believe. They don't know what the Bible says. The conclusion that we came to in that Bible study was that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And if we do not have the word of God, then we really can't put our faith in God because we don't know what he said. We, by way of review here on our, on our, uh, in our class today and on your handout, we talked about faith is believing without seeing. In other words, I'm going to trust in something other than myself. Faith is believing. So, like, I can't see it, but because Scott said it, I'll go ahead and believe it. So, I'm like, Scott, how do I get to the park? I don't know how to get to the park. And he tells me, do I believe him or not? Well, that's the question. Do I believe or not? I, I don't see it, Lord, but, but if you say it, then, then I believe it. That's faith. But if we don't have God's word, then we can't do that, right? Does that make sense? Faith is seen without believing. We've got some verses listed there if you missed last week. Faith activates the truth for us as believers. 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 13. 
It's uh, Paul's commending. He's saying, good job to the church uh, there, the, the Thessalonians. And what he says is, when the word of God was preached to you, you received it as the word of God, not as the word of men. You guys aren't super trusting of other men because you're one yourself. That's why us fathers with daughters, some guy comes by and says, I want to date your daughter. I mean, what do you mean by date? I remember being your age. I don't trust you because I used to be you. Okay. We're not very trusting because you trusted someone once and they let you down and now you have problems trusting. Okay, listen. First Thessalonians 2.13. When the Thessalonians heard the word of God preached, they didn't take it as the word of man, as something that maybe they will or will not trust. They received it as the word of God, and it worked effectually in them because they believe. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2 describes it. It says, the gospel was preached unto them, and the gospel was preached unto us. It didn't do them any good because they didn't believe it. It wasn't mingled with their faith. But for us, we believed it in that word of God, the gospel that was preached resulted in our salvation because we believed it, because we considered this is the word of God. Okay, well, we're talking about in our Onward Christian Soldier series that we are in a spiritual battle. If you didn't know that, I'm just going to make a guess, okay? I'm not talking about you. I'm talking to the person next to you, okay? You're not doing very well in the spiritual battle that you didn't know that you're in. Just going to make that guess. People that don't know they're in a battle don't fare very well in that battle, but we are in a spiritual battle. The Bible describes that. The Christian life is in many ways just a spiritual battle which we're supposed to stand against the enemy. Okay, so, so for us, we've been talking about, because this is a spiritual battle, we need spiritual armor. I can't put on physical armor and have a physical sword and a physical helmet and a physical shield and then go out and fight a spiritual enemy. It doesn't make any sense. I need spiritual armor to fight the spiritual enemy. One thing we talked about was, Proverbs 25, verse 28. Let's go to that on the PowerPoint. Proverbs 25, 28. Oh, I've got the clicker. I'm talking to myself. Okay. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that's broken down and without walls. Who was here when we, when we covered that verse? Okay, look at what this verse is saying. He that hath no rule over his own spirit. I couldn't help it. I can't help it. Hey, why did you say that? Well, I just, there's no reason. I just couldn't help it. Why did you do that? Well, I just, I couldn't. No, no, no. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that's broken down and without walls. It is defenseless. It's not defined by anything. It's not protected by anything. It doesn't have ramparts and bulwarks and, and protection against the enemy. You're wide open. Well, we compared uh, those walls around a city to the armor, the spiritual armor that we put on. In fact, Isaiah chapter 26, verse 1, says there's going to be a song that's sung that goes like this. 
This day hath God appointed salvation for walls. It is the salvation that God provides that is the wall that protects me against the enemy. You don't have that in your notes. It's, it's Isaiah 26, verse 1. We covered that also in, in times past. We're still in, in the review portion. Okay, so guys, it is possible to have a mind that is securely guarded against the enemy. That is the goal of today's study, that you are no longer a city without walls, defenseless against the enemy, but you are protected by salvation. The, the, the armor that we're talking about today is the helmet of salvation. In fact, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6, and we'll look at our passage. Stand therefore, having your loins good about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, Ephesians 6, 14 says, your feet shod with the preparation of, of the gospel of peace, above all taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And then now we get to this week, week 14 in our study, and take the helmet of salvation. You guys ready to take the helmet of salvation? Let's have a mind that's guarded. It's not defenseless against the enemy, but we can have control of our own spirit. We can answer the attacks of the devil. What we're going to do is I'm going to present some things and we're going to break up into small groups, work through it in our small groups. Then at the end, as time allows, we'll hear back from our small groups on the things that God showed us. Sound good? Okay, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 59 in your Bible. What we are going to see in Isaiah chapter 59 is that the helmet that saves is the helmet of the Lord. In Isaiah chapter 59, we have a prophecy of the coming Messiah, the prophecy of the Savior, the prophecy of the, the promised Messiah of Israel, who we know, of course, is the Lord Jesus Christ. But look how this chapter starts. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. God's salvation can reach even to you. You know how I know that? Because it reached even to me. His arm is not shortened. There is nobody who is too far from God that his salvation can't reach if they'll simply put their faith and trust in the salvation that's available to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. Neither is his ear heavy that he cannot hear. If somebody hasn't caught the ear of God, it's not because there's a problem with God's ear. It's because there's a problem. They're not crying unto the Lord like they need to. God is speaking. People aren't listening. God is listening, but people aren't speaking. His arm is ready to reach out and save, but people aren't calling unto him for salvation. But that's, that's on us. That's not on the Lord. It's, this is described here in, in verse 2. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God. Your sins have hid his face from you that, that he will not hear. 
See, it's your sins and your it's it's our sin that separates us from God. It's not that God is not available. It's not that He's not listening. It's just that sin separates. Unholy and holy don't mix together. They're separate. And when we live an unholy life, then we are separated from God. And this is the state of all humanity. Verses three. Through, fifth, through 14 kind of describe that, the lost state of humanity. Humanity is a fallen race and cannot save itself. That includes you and I. Did you know that you cannot save yourself, that you cannot live a life that's good enough to where your righteousness gets you to heaven? Does everybody know that? Okay. Has everybody quit trying to get to heaven through your good works. Have you guys have you guys accepted that reality and come to the place where you say if I'm going to heaven it's because someone else gets me there. Have you all come to that place? Okay, if you have not come to that place, you need to before the end of class today. We need a Savior. That's why Christ came. And that's what we read about starting in verse 15 of Isaiah 59. Look at it with me. Yea, truth faileth. And he that departeth from evil maketh himself a prey. Okay, the, the whole situation is dismal. But halfway through verse 15, And the Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no judgment. And he saw there was no man. Nobody can fix this. And wondered that there was no intercessor. Nobody can connect God and man. Therefore his arm, remember his arm is not shortened and it cannot save. Okay. Therefore his arm brought salvation unto him and his righteousness that sustained him. Verse 17, for he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation upon his head. And he put on the garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak. Jesus Christ was God as a man, God in the flesh. He was all God. He was all man. He came and he in the righteousness of God with the salvation provided for God fixed the problem of man's lost state. And those of us that have put who have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we have received the righteousness of Christ. That's why when you got saved, it just weight was, was removed off your shoulders. Felt like you could take a deep breath for the first time. What's because that, that you, your sin was washed away and you received the righteousness, which is of Jesus Christ, but it's not because of your good works. Okay, it's not because you were sufficient for that. And this is what goes in our blanks, is that the helmet that saves is the helmet of the Lord. If a Savior wasn't necessary, God would not have sent a Savior. Okay, so put ye on the helmet of salvation. Spiritual reality, that's what, that's what we're looking at. Can I answer the chatter of the devil with book, chapter, verse? Okay, let, let's work through this. Letter A, our trust is in him by trusting that he has already done that which we cannot do. 
put on the helmet of salvation. Well, I am saved. I, I know that because the Bible says I am. Because Jesus Christ became a man and, and put on righteousness and put on his helmet. And now, as someone who is saved, I can put on the helmet of salvation. And as the devil comes in and tries to attack my mind, it is guarded with salvation. Salvation is the wall around my city. What's that look like? Well, I'm trusting in what Christ has already done, not in my works. All true spirituality is based on giving faith responses to life's circumstances. Alan Shelby said that yesterday. I thought that was so good, I'd write it down. All true spirituality is based on faith responses to life's circumstances. So whatever your circumstance is right now, I don't know what it is, but respond in faith, and that is true spirituality. Faith says, faith says, there is a present and sufficient Savior who has already done the work required for our real needs, including the defense against the enemy. I needed a savior because I wasn't sufficient. I wasn't righteous. Now the devil comes and he's attacking me and Christ will be my defense. The salvation that I have in Christ will be my defense. My real needs, including the, de the defense against the enemy, is something that I am not sufficient for. Yes, Dan. Yes. Come into my head, and I feel like I, that's that's the enemy attacking. Yeah. It's got to be. Right. So so, Dan says that in his experience, even during prayer, he'll get thoughts that 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 aren't godly coming into his mind, and and yeah, don't be surprised by that. Uh, as we draw near to God, there's the enemy isn't going to let that happen. There's also things in our head that, that, you know, we need to get out of there. Yes. Yeah, the devil can put dreams in your heads. He puts thoughts in our heads. We're going to cover that, actually, in terms of our mind being the battlefield. In fact, let's move on here. Turn, to, turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6. Okay, so we have a Savior, salvation, which is of the Lord because we need it, is available to us. Well, how does this whole thing work? And this is what you guys have already kind of led into. The helmet covers our mind, right? That, that helmet I put over my head. It covers my mind. The mind is the battlefield, and we know that from 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I'm sorry, 10, chapter 10, verses 3 through 6. It says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Okay, don't miss that. You do not war after the flesh. It is not flesh and blood where the battle is won. 
For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And sometimes those things that, that are in our mind during prayer, those are strongholds being torn down. And that's what's inside that stronghold. It's like, where did that come from? Oh, that's a stronghold in your mind that's being torn down. And so all that stuff is coming out. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Okay, so let's, let's just pause here for a second. The, the helmet of salvation answers attacks. Here comes the enemy attacking my mind. Oh, no, 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 wait a minute. That's not an unguarded gate. There, there is someone, there is something there answering that attack. Attacks regarding your insufficiency, your unrighteousness, your fears. And so here comes the devil with this chatter. Okay, the devil says, Mike, Kennicott, you're not very righteous. Oh, yeah, I know. That's right. But I have upon my unrighteous mind the salvation of Jesus Christ. Am I putting down Mike? No, I'm just using him for an example because he's mature enough to understand this. Because here's how it happens. The devil says, Chris, you're not you're not good enough. It's like, I know, I know. That's why I needed a savior. And that savior is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. And I am putting on the helmet of salvation to answer that attack. Scott Groth, you're not sufficient. I know I'm not. That's why I needed a savior. And I've put on the helmet of salvation. See, because my insufficiency is made up for, has been replaced by the salvation, the sufficiency of the Savior. My unrighteousness is taken care of by the righteousness of the Savior. Salvation has taken, taken care of my lack. My weakness his is made perfect. His strength is made perfect in my weakness. Why? Because I recognize my insufficiency. But in the same breath, in the same sentence that, that the devil is, a, is doing the chatter, I have an answer for that. Yes, but I have the helmet of salvation. So a lot of our attacks are because sometimes we do fall into the trap of walking in the flesh. And we do think that the weapons of our warfare are carnal. We start trusting in self. And that's where the devil has room to work. Where you're trusting in self, that's where the devil can work. Because actually you're not sufficient for the work that God's called us to. You're not righteous enough to, to, to get to heaven and, and to communicate. So we need a savior. It needs to be Christ in me. Christ through me. I'm not going to be able to do anything in and of myself. But when I try to, that's where the devil works. The devil, the world, and the flesh are enemies. And if I'm walking in the flesh in some ways, if I'm trying to be in control of my own life and not letting Christ be in control of my life, that's where the devil has room to work. That's where he can attack. I start thinking I'm pretty awesome. The devil's like, you're pretty awesome. And he builds me up in that. I'm like, yeah, pretty awesome. And then in the other, he goes, you're not awesome enough. 
Like, oh no, I'm not awesome enough. And then I'm just all full of anxiety and fear. Put on the helmet of salvation. Christ is sufficient. Christ is righteous. He is enough. Okay, it's not you, it's Christ. That's the theme of the morning. Do you see how putting on the helmet of salvation helps me against the attacks of the devil? You guys see that? We need to put on. He is sufficient. So we put on his salvation. We trust in him and not in self. Because he is faithful. He is present. He is sufficient. Psalm 27, verse 1. You guys familiar with that? Turn to Psalm 27, verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? If you are your own savior, good luck. You have reason to fear. You have reason to doubt. I don't know what you're going to tell the devil when he says you're not sufficient because he's right. I don't know what you're going to tell the devil when he says you're not righteous enough because he's right. I don't know how you're going to answer the fears if it's up to you to be your own savior. But if you say the Lord is my salvation, I'm putting on his helmet of salvation, then you have an answer to all those attacks. Okay. Second Corinthians chapter one, verse eight through 10. I'll keep you guys awake this morning by flipping around in your Bible. Second Corinthians chapter one, verse eight through 10. Salvation is past, it is present, and it is future. This is a pattern we see through Scripture. It's present here in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. Paul says, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, and so much that we despaired even of life. For the sake of the ministry, Paul's very life was in peril, and they despaired like there's nothing they can do about it. Kind of without hope there. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raiseth the dead. Okay, listen. It got so bad, you guys, I had no hope of saving myself. I despaired of life because I knew there was nothing I could do to save myself. Verse 10. Okay, but, but so we should not trust in ourselves, but trust in God. Verse 10, who delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. So Paul's talking about his physical experience of nearly dying, but there's a spiritual thing there too. When you got saved from your sin in a moment in time, okay, salvation happens in a moment. You go from being lost to being saved in the moment that you put your faith and trust in the gospel. Okay, you're born again. Hey, now you're a new babe, you're a babe in Christ. Now you're a new creature. All things are passed away. All things have become new. That happened in an instant, in a moment. That's salvation as we typically talk about it. Then there's sanctification though. That's an ongoing process. That's not just a moment in time. I look more like Christ now than I did 20 years ago. Why? Well, because God continues to save me from myself. <laughs> Yeah, so sanctification over time, the Holy Spirit gets more control over your life. 
Okay, so you're being, you're dying to self and you're saying yes to the God. You're putting off the old man, you're putting on the new man. This happens a decision at a time, slowly as God reveals truth to you. Okay, so, you know, you keep coming. Sanctification is going to be much faster than if you don't. Okay, but sanctification is a process, but it's still a process where God is doing that work. We don't trust in ourselves for sanctification any more than we trusted ourselves for salvation. And then in the end, there's glorification. There is a point in time when Christ returns, we shall see him and we shall be like him. We get a glorified body. This body, which is weak and corruptible, will put on strength and incorruptible. Woohoo! That's going to be a good day. Your back's not going to hurt anymore. That's going to be a good day. That's going to be a good day. Incorruptible. I deal with corruptible bodies in my career as a physician all the time. Someone comes in and they're like, like, what happened? Well, I stepped off the curb. I ate this. I did that. My blood pressure. I'm like, yeah, it's corruptible. You're corrupt. I don't say that. Okay. That's glorification. So salvation, sanctification, glorification. But in all of those things, are you trusting in yourself or are you trusting in the Lord? Put on your helmet of salvation. And really, sanctification is just putting on that helmet in more and more areas of your life is really what that is. That's why discipleship is so important. Our discipleship materials are a categorical Bible study. What's that mean? I mean, there's different categories. Okay? Well, there's a category that's just like kind of who is God? Who is Jesus? What about the church? There's different categories of things that we study. What about your boss and your employer, your work? What about other Christians? What about dealing with sin? These different categories of things. So we study out what the Bible says about those things. And then, and then once we see what the Bible says about that, we can say, oh, I need to quit thinking like Chris thinks. That's not working very well anyway. And I need to start thinking how God says I need to think. I, I put off the old man. I put on the new man. I, I, I trust in Christ, not in self. And then what happens is uh, that sanctification process is greatly hurried along. Anyway, so at the moment of salvation, that's described in Ephesians chapter 113. That's the past. That's when you got saved. I hope you, you're saved. If you're not saved today, then get saved today. Okay, work through that in your small group. In your small group, there will be people who can lead you through what the Bible says so that you know what the Bible, like you'll know whether you're saved or not. You'll know how to be saved, how to be sure of that. And then it's present. Psalm 46, chapter, uh, one, Psalm chapter 46 verse 1 says that, that our God is a very present help in a time of need. And then finally, the future, there is a finish to the process. Turn there to 1 Thessalonians. I'm going to leave us to work through a lot, of, a lot of this in small groups where I'm kind of hurrying through some of this. You can study this on your own or in your small groups. But, but 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 8 says, But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. Wait, I thought I was already saved. Well, you are. But, but that's speaking of the glorification which is to come. Let's live for that day 
for that salvation which is to come. And those that have that hope, we live in such a way that we know Christ is returning and I'm going to stand before him. There's a lot of years that I'm not super excited about. <laughs> Give an answer for those years. But there's also a lot of years spent serving the Lord that I, that I can't wait for his return. Let's, let's, let's focus on his return. And then that's going to help us live our lives right, the helmet of salvation. No, I know Christ is coming back. There's this thing called glorification. I'm living for that day. Okay, but the real, the real message here is it's Christ and not me that I'm trusting in. Not trusting in self. So I take away the, that room for the devil to work. Because I'm not trusting in self anyway. I'm trusting in him. That's the answer. Hey, you're not good enough. I know. I know. That's why Christ came and died in my place. Okay, you're not righteous. I know. You're insufficient. I know. Man, there's a lot of uncertainty in your life. I know. But here's one thing that's not certain. The Lord is my salvation. He is my light. Of whom shall I be afraid? Nobody. <laughs> 